0: Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. We have been in uh, an awesome series. Uh, I think it's been awesome. Clearly the silence from the congregation indicates otherwise, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm confident in Christ. Um, We're talking about being mature, we talked about earlier baby dedications being childlike. Being childlike is very, very different to being childish. And and as parents, um, there's a phrase that I think becomes more and more consistent in our vocabulary, um, and that is, ah, oh, grow up. No, no, just me, <laughs> just me. Okay, yeah, cool, 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 cool. But we, we've been in a series out of a passage, it's been based on our series scripture, if you will. If you want somewhere to be camping for a little while in the Bible, you know, um, we talk a lot about there's, there's no right or wrong necessarily uh, system to use reading the Bible. You need to read what feeds. Okay? If you're reading the Bible in a way and it's not feeding you, change the way you eat. Okay? Uh, if you go to an all you can eat buffet and all you do is look at the food and it's not getting in your stomach, you, you've got to change something up. Um, sometimes you need to camp in, in, in a verse or two and just stay there. Pastor Geraldine was sharing at our, our prayer meeting earlier. She's like, I'm stuck in Ephesians. And I'm like, great. If that's, what's, if that's what's speaking to you at the moment, put the Read the Bible in a Year Bible plan to one side and stick in the passage that is speaking to you because there's God trying to do something in your life. And we, we put process over, 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 over what God is doing, and we're like, oh, I can't stay there. I've got to move on. I'm in my process. My process is to read the Bible in one year, so I'm going to do that. Now, if, God, if that is speaking to you, and that is a commitment you've made, and God's like, no, no, keep going, then you need to keep going. But others of you need to stop, and you need to stay in the place that's speaking to you. We've been in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 and 15, And this is the type of passage that you genuinely, I mean, this is two verses of Scripture, and you could stay in this for a long time. There is a lot in this that you could pull out and let God speak to you about, but it says this, this will continue. What? Great question. Context is always super valuable when you read Scripture. Uh, Pastor Darren was doing devotions at staff this week, and he shared um, this little thing, but he said, you know, sometimes when I'm reading Scripture, I I will just take one verse and I'll journal on that verse, but before I journal, I'll read the whole passage, so he's journaling out of context, but he's not trying to journal on the whole thing. He's letting God speak to him on one verse, but he's making sure that when he does, it's in, it's in context. So let's, let's remind ourselves of the context here. Paul's saying, hey, God's given us this incredible gifts to the body of Christ, apostles, pastors, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This This work, this equipping, right, I want to make a promise to you, our pastoral team is going to continue to equip you. That is our goal. We are going to be committed to the equipping of the body of believers until, until what? Well, until we retire, and then someone else will do it. But until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord. So firstly, maturity is a journey. Unity in our faith, knowledge about God's son, key components to maturity. We can't mature if we're not willing to engage in learning about God, uh, learning about our faith, uh, discussing it with, with people, get into a table space, iron sharpens iron, get into a space where you can talk to each other about your faith and you realize that, wow, we disagree on some things. Uh, I heard a great podcast this week where someone said, we have lost the art of agreeing to disagree. Now we just disagree and cancel people, rather than saying, oh, you know what, like, let's remain in agreement, let's remain in unity, but let's disagree, let's wrestle this out, let's hold the tension of scripture on two sides and see maybe what Jesus is trying to do in our lives because there's these opposing places of truth. Get yourself in a table space. That's a process of maturity. Verse 14 then we will no longer be immature like children. So, so this is a great example of tension in Scripture. Be like children. Don't be like children. I'm sorry. The, the Bible says be like children, and then it says don't be like children. This is where we have to realize the Bible doesn't contradict itself. The Bible holds things in tension so that we go to Jesus. Jesus always holds the tension. So a great example of this is when it comes to something like giving. Great offering message this morning. Giving, right? Should I always give him faith or should I give him wisdom? I don't know. There's no always. There's a tension and Jesus holds it. Well, how do I know what he's saying? Well, we have relationships that so we hear him. So when it comes to a giving moment, like, like vision giving, conversation is with Jesus. Jesus, is this, is this a moment where... I'm going to give in a way that's really wise because you know my future. You know what's coming in my next 12 months. And, and what should I do here? And he says, you know what? Just give this. But God, that's a bit less than last year. Yeah, it's a bit less, but I know what's coming in your life. Trust me. That's wisdom. Another time, he might put another zero on the end and say, this is a moment where you need to trust me. I know what's coming in your next 12 months. Step out in faith. There is no always. Don't, don't commit to a pro forma in something that is supposed to be relational. I'm way off my notes. So, so be, be childlike, but don't be childish, would be a way that I would articulate the tension between be like children, and don't be like children. So don't be immature like children where they just, they just believe everything that is said to them. right? That is a, a, a sobering idea as a parent. Wow, my kids are just going to absorb everything that I say. But that's, that's what Paul would say is an immature characteristic. So don't be like that component of childlikeness. But when they just believe, when they just, that component is great. So distill the tension of childlikeness. And then it says, go on. Because when you, when you are immature, here's a marker. When you're immature, you're tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. So, so the new teaching that suddenly comes out, I've talked about this on Instagram or whatever, you're like, oh, is that what it says? You're willing to throw away 2,000 years of of church doctrinal stance without a conversation with someone because you won't put yourself in a table space because you're building your own faith. (laughs) Thanks, babe. I don't know where you are, but I heard that. That was awesome. (laughs) Up the back. Yes. I wonder if some of us don't choose to be in a table space maybe because we're afraid that someone will challenge our belief and we don't know what to do with that because... It will create insecurity in what we thought was meant to be secure. It says, you know, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. All right, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you give us truth. Lord, even when we don't understand it, and even when we're not sure about how to apply it, I'm thankful that that doesn't change it. And that when we don't change it, Lord, it gives us a rock. I thank you that Jesus is our rock. And we can build our life on him. Father, I pray that you would speak this morning through your word. Teach us. Raise us, Lord, as your children, in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen, amen. So uh, we we kicked off. We talked a bit about maturity. Uh, Pastor Mel brought a great message about faith and obedience, uh, which you know you can digest that over the next little while. And then Pastor Simone uh, brought an incredible word about humility and confidence. Um, and I tell you what, pastors, Rachel and I, we I don't know why I said pastors. That was weird. But we, we, we reviewed that during the week. We like to watch services uh, during the week. And, um, and I tell you, I have not laughed so hard in, in a long time watching Pastor Simo talk about his like, yeah. we, were, we were hanging out uh, with a with meal and uh, he busted out, he's, he's still got a pair of DCs, legit fat tongue, so good. And we were having such a good laugh about it. Come on. Come on, baggy jeans. Uh, You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for the satin Looney Tune boxes (laughs) that ballooned out the top, right? Uh, I'm waiting for those to come back. You're like, oh no, the 90s have returned when I see those in Big W again. (laughs) Oh dear. And uh, anyway... There's, there's a great message about humility and confidence, and uh, Rachel and I and our family we had a great time away up at Bonnie Hills, and um, it's good. It's good to refuel, you know. Um, we should live life with rhythm. We should run hard after the purpose of God, and we should absolutely rest well. Um, if your rest is an escape, uh, then you're out of rhythm. Um, pre-plan your rest so that you are living with rhythm. You have a great opportunity right now to plan next year. Put rhythm in. Put rest in. Book holidays in. Put them in with your employer. Know that you're going to be living with rhythm. It's important. I remember uni uni days. Uni days, I I remember them. Um, And I remember that when I was at uni, you live this unique period in life where you feel like you have responsibility, but you really don't. And this, is, this isn't to in any way diminish all of our amazing uni students this morning at all. Because there is, a, there is a benefit that comes with that, right? Because when you don't have the responsibility, and I'll frame it like this, when you don't have the responsibility of others in your life, you can determine how you prioritize something like want and need. So I would, I would want a new pair of jeans, And so even though I needed groceries, because it only affected me, I would purchase what I wanted and eat two-minute noodles for a week, right? But as I got older and and I I got an amazing wife and I realized that she wasn't gonna be satisfied with two-minute noodles uh, for a week, um, I could no longer just satisfy everything that I wanted and deal with what I needed in any way that I felt like I needed to. I needed to shift some priorities. And it's a funny thing about maturity is that it digs down into these things. Maturity is seen in, in things like priorities. Maturity is seen in things like responsibility. I have conversations with, with a few people, young men uh, in particular, and I, I often say that The marker between boyhood and manhood is not age. It's not even life stage. You can get married and still be a boy. You can have kids and still be a boy. But a man learns it's his job to start taking responsibility. And so the shift from boyhood to manhood is when you start to take responsibility for your life for those around you, it's a step and it's not easy. It's not easy. I really would have thought some of the, the uni-aged women in our church would have been more applauding <laughs> of that because you should find a spouse in the house, but you shouldn't be looking for a boy. I want to describe maturity in two ways, two key steps. Here you go, you can write these down. I've I've worked really hard to get two actual note-takeable moments in my message this morning, So, so please don't waste these. Maturity, number one, is that you are willing to take an honest acknowledgement of a current state or situation in your life. You are willing to take an honest acknowledgement of a current state or situation in your life. And then the second step in maturity is that you then take responsibility for changing that. And, you know, there's a lot of us that live stuck in our maturity because we won't acknowledge a reality or we give power to someone else when it comes to changing it. It's commonly called the victim mentality where my state is someone else's fault. Now, I I want to be really clear right now. I did not say that you are always to take responsibility for the cause. Let me be even more clear. You did not cause the abuse. You did not cause the neglect. You did not cause the relational breakdown between your parents you did not you did not cause much of the circumstances that potentially have shaped the situations and circumstances in the life that you find yourself in however you have been given the power and the capacity to take responsibility for your future you see even if even if you were the cause, let's be honest, we've all made bad decisions. I was talking to my mum during the week, and bless her heart, she was apologising for situations that happened in my childhood, and I said, mum, you need, you need to stop. I said, number one, I've, I've forgiven that part of my life. I've forgiven you and dad, it's not a problem. I said, plus, after that, I made a whole lot of my own decisions. <laughs> So don't think that the stuff that I'm dealing with now is all because of that. I, yeah, I contributed, right? So, so some of you, you need to hear you didn't cause it, but you get to change it. And some of you need to hear, you need to own that you caused it. And the good thing is you now get to change it. Okay? On. Yeah. <laughs> Philippians 1.12 is one of my most favorite scriptures Paul is saying he says this. Have we got it on the screen? One Philippians one twelve. I've got it like kind of summarised in my notes. But if we don't, that's okay. Paul basically says, "I, oh, yeah, we do. Oh, fantastic! I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news." Move on. Do we have the next couple of verses? You can just say no, and I'll just go with my notes. I'm going to go with my notes. Basically, he goes on to say, I, "I've not reached perfection." I think I've given them the wrong verse anyway. It could be 2, it could be 2.12, so let's not worry. I have not reached perfection yet, but I press on. I press on, focusing on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Because I want to finish the race and receive the prize. And then he goes on to say, and if you are mature on this, you will agree. I find very interesting that that Paul connects the idea of maturity in faith as recognizing that we are to press on from the past, leave the past behind and press on for the future and press on for the goal, the end of the prize at which Christ has called us. And so many of us, me included, live stuck from pressing on because we are yet to take responsibility for our current state. Our current state is someone else's fault, our current state was caused by someone else. Maybe so, but the fact that you remain in it means that you have not yet taken responsibility for the fact that you can move on from it. And Paul says, you know what? A mark of maturity is recognizing that and pressing on and choosing. He says, I spend all my energy on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. This is a statement that I like to use. I'm this because of that but I'm going to be. You can write that down and fill that in. I'm this because of that, but I'm going to be. It is, it is really important to be able to acknowledge whether you caused a certain situation in your life or not, to be able to go, you know what, I'm currently this, I'm currently re- dealing with rejection because of that situation, but I'm going to be. I'm currently dealing with the... the, the, the Result of abandonment in my life. If we can't name it, we can't change it. If you, if you, if you can't, and I'm not saying you need to say it out loud. Sometimes you just need to write it down. Sometimes you just need to be like, God, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm struggling with, with this because of that. But, you know, the the most powerful word in scripture so often is the word but, but God. You look at how many times through the Psalms, David pours his heart out. God, this and that and this and that and this and that. But God, you've done this. You're going to do this. You call me this. We've got to get a like a Psalm nature in our spirit, in our prayer life where we can say, you know what, God, I hate this and I suck at that and this is going on in my life. And there is a level of authenticity, but then we shift gears and we go, but God, you have forgiven me. You have cast my sin as far as the East is from the West. You made he who knew no sin to be, sin, so that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't memorize scripture because I'm a pastor, I memorize scripture because I'm a broken human being. And those scriptures are what I need, because they're what help me move beyond the things that I deal with in my life. Here's what we do when we get it wrong, though. We, we, we take an understanding of maturity, right? We go, oh, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for something let's go, that's a great word by Pastor Nath. I'm all fired up, let's, let's do this, Monday morning, we're going to change some stuff, and our first step is to go, okay, well, I'm going to do better, I'm going to be better, Rachel and I joke all the time, we're like, babe, just be better, she says that to me more often than I say to her, <laughs> she says, oh, I'm going to stop swearing, that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to stop, I'm going uh, to stop drinking, because, you know, like, I, feel, I see that in my life. I'm taking responsibility. Pastor Nate, you told me I'd to take responsibility, so I'm going to stop. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop looking at porn. I'm going to stop judging people. I told you all my first week in this maturity series, I, I, I judge people. It's something I'm working on with Jesus. I'm going to stop being an elitist. And we, we get to a point where we're like, right, I'm willing to acknowledge these things, and now I'm going to stop. I'm going to be better. And the issue is that we can't. The issue is that in our own strength, we actually can't. And so what happens is we end up trying to mature through behavior modification, through gritting our teeth, and, and, and it's not scriptural. Transformation is not done at a surface level. Transformation in your life is done at a deeper level. It is done through a process, not of gritting your teeth and trying to be better, but recognizing that you can't and surrendering to the grace and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And where we go wrong is we we, we get to the point where we're like, I I see this in my life and I want to change, and then we try to change in our own strength. And what, what happens is we end up in a cycle of disappointment. And the enemy uses that cycle of disappointment to build strongholds in our life that we genuinely then believe that we are the lie or we are the thing that we're like, well, maybe I am just that. Or maybe I'm never going to get free of this. Or this is, this is just the thing that I'm going to have. Or this is my thorn in the flesh. Please don't label things that are not thorns in the flesh as thorns in the flesh in your life. Unless God has said to you, this is the thorn in the flesh, it's best just to take a premise that God can set you free from it. I would rather believe that God can set me free from anything than believe that everything is a thorn in the flesh. So until God says to me, that particular thing in your life is a thorn in the flesh, I'm going to take the stance that God's going to set me free. Yeah. <laughs> Maturity is not measured externally. It's not about out, it's, a, it's about in. You know, God... God's really clear through Scripture. He's, he's less concerned with our outward appearance, 1 Samuel 16. I, I, I'm not looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at the heart. And this is where, we, this is where we, we take the culture of the world in terms of maturity, which is do better, be better, you know, grow up, all those things. And we don't realize that the process to do that spiritually is actually a deeper inner work. Yeah. And, and to go deeper in requires a growth in our authenticity, in our relationship with Jesus. And it, this, this can actually be a, a sticking point that many of us don't actually realize is this is what's going on. And we remain stuck for ages because we struggle to be real enough with God about the stuff that we're really dealing with. You see, the deeper that we let him in, the more that we acknowledge, the the more real we are with him, the greater we open ourselves up for the process of transformation and maturity. Many of us are trying to mature on the outside to demonstrate a performance mentality maturity where we look like we've got everything together and we look like we're maturing and but the problem is that that's that really is still a maturity that is based on the 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 quantifiable metrics that we talked about so now we're trying to be in church every week because it looks good instead of actually saying to god god i'm really struggling with church I don't enjoy going. I don't get anything out of it. I'm real, I'm real. like you've got to have a relationship with Jesus that allows for a level of authenticity where you can tell him you don't like his house and let him deal with that. But the problem is we we don't think we can be that real. And so we we put on this pretense with God where it's he already knows, guys. He already knows absolutely everything. He is with you while you're looking at what you're looking like on the internet. He is with you while you're swearing at that person who, who swerved in front of you on the road. He is with you while you're totally judging that person sitting in across the lecture hall with you who's got weird clothing on or whatever. He's with you. I once heard, I once heard a preacher, great, someone who I admire and look up to, Say that when he meets with guys or his wife meets with with women who are struggling with particular addictions, he's like, so why don't you just start talking with Jesus while you're in the middle of it? He's right there. He knows. His grace is sufficient. Why don't you actually bring him into the, the reality of what you're dealing with? When was the last time you actually acknowledged to God that you enjoyed sin? or do we all pretend that we don't? We, we can't pretend that with God and then, and then think he's going to mature us beyond it because we've closed off the very area he needs to work on. Is it because maturity is so much more about motive? It's so much more about heart. It's so much more about the, the why than the what. And I want to ask you this morning, what is the current state of your actual relationship with Jesus? How's your time with Him? How are your conversations with Him? How's your your listening going? Like, like do you have time where you just sit, just open up the Bible and just listen, just let let Him speak a little bit? Or just... Just go like outside. I just go outside my backyard sometimes. And I'll be trying to pray and I'll be like, man, this isn't really working. And I'll just kind of stop. And I realize that God's with me. He's right there. What am I trying to to produce? And more often than not, it's in those moments that he just I just hear his little voice. You know, I'm like, oh thanks, God. And the conversation actually just becomes kind of real. what, What about this? this is going, there's other times where I'm like in a zone that's full of faith and I'm declaring and believing, but it's not all like that. It's a real relationship. Those of you who are married, if you you just tried to approach your spouse with like, like one way all the time, yelling at them, like I don't know how it would go. We all hear about the love languages and like mine and Rachel's are completely opposite, which has been a great growth journey for us, but like if their true love language is a part of that has come from the essence of love, which is Christ. And you know, I wonder, I guess, what does it look like to have quality time with God? What does it look like to act of service with God? Was it, it, you know, like words of affirmation? Like, I don't know. I'm not saying that that's biblical or anything. I'm just saying it's a relationship. It's a real relationship. And the way we would invest in a relationship with a real person, our spouse, we, we, we have time with them. We, we do stuff with them, we talk to them, we listen to them, we engage with them. That's, they are all fundamentals to an actual living, breathing, real relationship with Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. How's your intimacy and closeness? Are you aware of His presence? Do you give yourself the capacity, the time, the space to be aware of His presence in your life? Relationship with Jesus is the precursor to any maturity. It's any maturity. I mentioned before maturity is measured in our motive, right? One level of maturity says I want. My motive is I want. When I was at uni, I wanted those jeans, so I bought them, and then I dealt with the consequences later, which was genuinely I didn't have any money to do anything else. And, and we need to be honest, we all start mostly, most of the time with a motive of, I want, I want. But as we let Jesus into the reality of that and we start to tell him things like, God, actually, I really do want to swear at that person. I, I, God, I, want to, I, I, would, I really want to like, I've got to be careful what I say, this goes out online, on, on, on but I really, I really want to go and just escape into a few drinks, I really want to, whatever it is for you, I really want to go and look at that stuff on the internet, I really want to, if we aren't real about what we want, we don't give God the open door to change what we want, and as he goes to work on that, as he actually changes our heart, as he changes our motive, we go from I want to I need, Suddenly we're satisfied with with all sorts of different things. Well, I thought I wanted that, but actually now I'm more aware of what I need. You know, I wanted that particular expression of that aspect of life, but actually what I need is that. And and as we mature, we go from I want to I need, and and as we mature even more, we go from I want to I need to God, what are you? And, you know, we see this in Christ. Our whole passage talks about that we are going to grow into a full and complete expression of Christ Jesus. Do you want to know what this, this maturity sounds like in its fullness, in its completeness? You want to see it in action, in the life and the person of Jesus? You go to the Garden of Gethsemane. You go to the moment where we, we see the humanity of Jesus on full display in his prayer to his Father. We see the level of intimacy, the level of reality where Jesus is able to say, actually God, you know what? I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to do the pain. I don't, I, this is not going to be enjoyable. And I really, God, if there was any other way, if you could take this cup from me, God, that was, that's actually what I want. But God, not my will, but yours. The maturity that Christ has goes on display, the fullness and completeness where He's like, you know what? Yeah, I have want and I have need, but I live from what you want. I live from that place where I have surrendered my want, I've surrendered my need, even to the point where it's like, God, it's not not my will, it's yours. Let your will be done. Childish, me focus. I want my, 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 me, me, me. Mature is yes, I've laid that down. I surrender. In fact, God, I trust that you know what I want or what I need even better than I do. I'm, I'm actually just going to trust that you got that covered. Jesus is our model. I'm going to trust, God, that you know the spouse that I need. I'm going to trust that you know the job that I need. I'm going to trust that you know how many children and when they should arrive best in my life for me not to completely lose myself in raising them. So, God, I want you to change the motive of my heart from I want to what you want. I want this God I want, I want a spouse now but God if, if you want me to work on myself for a couple of years until you bring them along then God not my will but yours be done God I am not necessarily going to enjoy that but I, I'm trusting you God I really I really want to sleep in go to the beach on a Sunday it's pretty nice out but I know you want me to come and worship in your house on my will by yours. Oh God, I really want that job. I really want that car. There is no trouble with what you want until you pursue it at the cost of God's will. He knows we still want, we still have a sinful nature or the Although our sinful nature has been crucified, Paul says that we still have all these earthly lurkings within us and that we need to to actually kill them and we need to put on our new nature. And God knows we're not the finished product. He knows that there's still these things going on in us. We're the only ones that pretend to him that they're not. And so we we kind of pretend that we don't want those things. And, And by doing so, we leave the door closed to any chance he would have to change the motive behind that. I want to give you a little a little marker here, I'm wrapping up I promise. Your depth can be tested in your definitions. Your depth can be tested in your definitions. Here we go. How do you define God? Is he a genie God? Does he give you what you want? Is he a good father? Does he give you what you need? Or is he your sovereign king and lord where your life is submitted to his will? How about God is good when? God is good when I get what I want. God is good when I get what I need. God is good no matter what because my circumstances don't determine his character. God is just when I get everything I think I deserve. God is just when I get to see the revenge when they get what they deserve. God is just when I see that Jesus took what I really deserve and what they deserve God is sovereign when life is good and I feel blessed God is sovereign when all my needs are met God is sovereign when I'm in tragedy and pain and confusion and loss how about how you define a trial God, I don't want this. Make it stop. This is bad or difficult, so it must be from the devil. God, I know this is shaping me into a better person. God, I glory in my suffering because it makes me like you. We are to be full and complete. They're two really interesting words. Full is like taking one of those things and having maturity all the way down to your will not mine so maybe, maybe you're really good with God is good you're like yeah God is good all the time I don't let my circumstances define that I'd say you're full in one area but complete is every area so there's full and there's complete Christ is full and complete he's full in every area none of us are and that's okay our job is or what, our, what the desire that Christ has, is that we would just continue, continue to let Him transform us as we move toward fullness and completeness. And it's okay to be, to be really surface in some area and really deep in another, as long as you can acknowledge that with God, as long as you can be real with Him. And then I'd say be real with others. In your table space, let them know a little deeper, like a little bit more intimacy, a little bit more vulnerability. You might be surprised. They might be like, oh, me too. I struggle with that too. Oh, yeah, I'm just like that. And suddenly you don't feel so isolated and different and alone, and you see the benefit of the community of believers journeying together to be full and complete in Christ. We're called to grow up, but really we're called to acknowledge where we're really at. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.